0: Happy Friday. I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy, and this is Important, Not Important. This is the audio version of our community's Webby and Shorty-nominated newsletter. If you're new here, welcome. Your newsletter pairs the most vital science news of the week with specific data-driven action steps that you can take to fight for a better future for everyone. You can get your newsletter in your inbox at importantnotimportant.com or listen to it right here. It's July 9th, 2021, and it's time to move on. As we undergo this great transformation, one I don't believe most folks, including myself, are even remotely prepared for, there will be peoples, systems, and tangible fundamentals left behind, abandoned even. Those are popularly referred to as stranded assets. And when, over the course of just 100 years or so, a reasonably intelligent biped species discovers the ability to power their creations through means other than brute strength, and subsequently bases their entire geopolitics and economies upon the extraction of a single finite resource. Those assets are pretty easy to identify and incredibly vulnerable. Fossil fuel production facilities across the globe aren't closing down today per se, but current owners are quickly finding them imminently less useful because of reduced demand, public pressure, the potential for regulation or affordability because the cost of capital is way, way up. When they're no longer valuable, they're abandoned or picked up by private equity groups who inexplicably believe there's a long-term play here, hashtag the ocean is on fire, from Texas to California. But we can't just move on. We can't leave a bunch of oil rigs in our precious seas, waiting to rip a hole in the ocean floor, and then we're all stuck with another Mark Wahlberg hero movie. These companies can't just file for bankruptcy and leave thousands of oil wells uncapped across the Permian base, and next to schools and bedrooms in greater Los Angeles, polluting the air and water around them. And it's vital to ask not just who will pay to clean them up, but who suffers because they haven't been. If you don't live to an uncapped oil well or a highway, methane and soot might not seem like a big deal. But for people marginalized in every conceivable way, there's a ticking clock stuck on 1159, poisoning bodies and minds every fucking day. Being accountable for our past is a necessary part if heretofore ignored step in adaptation, transformation, in living in this discontinuity, the end of the beginning of humanity's reliance on power that is not our own and a powerful, if costly, step to move forward into a cleaner tomorrow. It's time to reverse who's bearing those costs and do better, better. They fall largely in the 18 to 34 age range and are both more likely to be women and less likely to be white than the general voting population. With cities playing an important role in setting climate policy and regulating transportation, building efficiency, and utilities, Stinnett is closely watching the more than 500 mayoral elections across the country this year. What does that mean? Well, it means every vote counts. As if you needed a reminder... North America just suffered its hottest June ever. Three-fifths of all likely voters want climate infrastructure work to pass through reconciliation. Our friends at Evergreen Action insist that include a clean electricity standard, clean energy tax incentives, a civilian climate corps, investments in climate justice, clean manufacturing, and the death of fossil fuel subsidies. Meanwhile, the average U.S. citizen consumes more than 10 times the energy of the average Indian, four to five times that of a Brazilian, and three more times than China still but our very, very broken Senate is held hostage to big bucks and remnants of the past, including Exxon. More environmental voters in red states could drive local action. We know cities, like Chicago even, are where climate hits and where we can adapt the fastest, from concrete to equitable mass transit. In the Northwest, one terrifying heat wave will follow the last, both of which are positively linked and made vastly more likely thanks to the climate crisis. But it's not just Seattle in the oven. Despite having what could have been our first climate president as governor, Washington's farmers fear for their crops and people across the state can't cool down their bodies at night. In California, the governor has asked for voluntary water reductions and your precious almond butter is under attack as farmers die of heat stroke, probably after ripping out their water-hungry almond trees. Radical action will get us there. California's huge new battery order is like nothing else before it. Reno will become the first U.S. city to track greenhouse gas emissions in real time. And we can flip this map with wind and solar and the HD transmission lines to get them from one state to another. Your action step, support and volunteer with the Environmental Voter Project. They're not trying to win elections. They're trying to turn out more undercover shit givers. That's you. So let's go. In COVID news, to understand Africa, look to India or not. What can the progress of COVID on the Indian subcontinent tell us about a potential third wave across 55-ish countries across Africa? From MIT, the catastrophe that has struck millions of Indians is the direct outcome of the government's failures. Its failure to plan ahead by increasing hospital capacity and acquiring medicines, its failure to figure out contact tracing, collect adequate data and purchase vaccines. Even after it became clear that a second wave was inevitable, the government went ahead with superspreader events that served its own political purposes and gave the virus a new opportunity. Meanwhile, from Financial Times African countries from Uganda to South Africa are buckling under a ferocious third wave of coronavirus infections as the continent falls far behind the rest of the world in vaccinations. The rolling seven-day average of new African cases rose to about 25,000 a day last week from 7,000 in the middle of May, according to data from Africa's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Doctors have warned of dwindling hospital beds and oxygen supplies as more than a dozen nations are reporting their worst levels of infection since the pandemic began, just as they are struggling to launch mass rollouts of vaccines. The biggest difference? Besides, again, one enormous country with a dangerously ignorant leader versus 50-plus countries with a variety of political systems on an entirely different continent, India, for what it's worth, is home to one of the world's largest vaccine makers. Africa is not. Also, greed. The world's richest economies have secured enough planned deliveries of approved doses to cover their populations more than four and a half times over, but the poorest have only procured enough for 10% of theirs. And distributing the vaccines they have received across those countries hasn't been an easy feat either. In medicine and biotech news, reverse course. Fact, the Honorable Katie Porter is on the phone, is decidedly not something you ever want to hear. Some context. A couple weeks ago, we covered the FDA's surprising and controversial approval of Adihelm, a drug for Alzheimer's patients. This week, the backlash got real when back-channel liaisons were revealed, and, well, here comes the whiteboard. Facing sharp criticism for approving a controversial drug for Alzheimer's patients, the Food and Drug Administration on Thursday greatly narrowed its recommendation, suggesting that only those with mild memory or thinking problems should receive it. The FDA's turnabout, highly unusual for a drug that has only been available for a few weeks, could considerably reduce the number of eligible patients. The initial label, saying the drug could be appropriate for anyone with Alzheimer's, encompassed about 6 million Americans. Under the revised label, as many as 2 million Americans would likely be eligible. What does that mean? Well, with the advent of mRNA, genomic sequencing, and machine learning, biotech is moving at a ridiculous pace. Just this week, Moderna, the ones who put the 5G chip in your arm, (laughs) just kidding, announced they dosed somebody with their new near-universal flu vaccine. Scientists dropped a handful of gene silencers into pig hearts, instigating the muscles to regenerate after heart attack damage. Swedish scientists activated a protein that may allow far more cancer patients access to immunotherapy. And Grail Inc., the subtly named diagnostic startup, finally released their maybe revolutionary blood test for 13 types of cancer. But is it all a money grab? In the U.S., dozens of cancer meds are substantially more expensive than European versions with no identifiable association between price and clinical benefit. Cool. Your action step. Before we start regrowing limbs, which to be clear would be a delight, let's fix basic prescription pricing. Take less than a minute to call your reps with 5calls.org and insist that they support HR3 the Elijah E. Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act. Hey, we've got an exclusive offer. For the first time, we're opening our doors to sponsors, but not just anybody. Potential sponsors should clear a pretty high bar. Sustainable operations, preferably but not required, a B Corp and or member of 1% for the planet, and provide exceptional value. In return, you get exclusive monthly or quarterly attention from our incredible community across our properties in a package deal. We're already booking into the fall. Reply directly to our email, with interest and for more details. In food and water news, don't believe everything you read, especially best-buy food labels. Nobody's interested in food poisoning. But how likely is it, actually? From the invaluable Alyssa Wilkinson at Fox. Every year, the average American family throws out somewhere between $1,365 and $2,275, according to a landmark 2003 study co-authored by the Harvard Food Law and Policy Clinic and the Natural Resources Defense Council. It's a huge economic loss for food growers and retailers who often have to ditch weirdly shaped produce or overstocked food that didn't sell. Environmentally, it's bad too. The study found that 25% of fresh water in the U.S. goes toward producing food that goes uneaten, and 21% of input to our landfills is food, which represents a per capita increase of 50% since 1974. There are two vital facts to know about the date labels on foods in the U.S. They're not standardized, and they have almost nothing to do with food safety. A smarter move? Sniff it. Taste it. Shit, you can even plop an egg into a glass of water. If it stinks, you're good for omelets. If not, maybe no. Your action step. Learn how to build a food waste program in your town with our conversation with Rick Namias, founder of Food Forward, the LA-based org that rescues 100,000 pounds of fresh food every single day. In human machine interface news, new headline, who dis? We've retooled the category name for this section, Borrowing a legacy term to encompass how we cover the area. That is, the many steps forward and many steps backwards being made across all of the ways humans and machines, from software to hardware, are becoming more entwined with, if less understandable to, one another than ever before. So a quick reintroduction. ALML Facebook groups, ransomware, crypto, blockchain, facial recognition, YouTube algorithms, medicinal pattern matching, those terrifyingly adorable dancing robots. They've all got one unifying factor. They're products and systems designed and implemented by humans. And then all bets are off. The biases we bring to the game are just as important as the innovations. And every step we take forward without dealing with those will only further exacerbate, if not accelerate, systemic biases, hate speech, and marginalization. Your action step? Watch this space and build AI ethics into your team with this handy guide. Link is in the newsletter. The Roundup. Donate blood ASAP. That's it. Can nanosensors help us understand which droughts will survive more droughts? Now on the block, neighborhood long COVID clinics. The U.S. government has halted distribution of monoclonal antibodies, bomlanivimab and estevimab for COVID use. I am great at pronouncing things. Here's how Biden would like to address wildfire relief. Why is Gen Z so susceptible to dis and misinformation? It comes down to community. A full half of China's planned overseas coal projects have been shelved. Half of European cities have dirty, toxic air. Here's how to be ready for heat emergencies. Time to talk about important jobs again. Every week, we share featured roles from important jobs right here in the newsletter. If you're hiring and want to get your open role in the front of our community, submit a featured role by using the link in the newsletter. This week, we've got an AIML data scientist at GiveDirectly, country director at GiveDirectly, U.S. Senior Program Manager at GiveDirectly, and, and full-stack software developer at Joro. Browse all open roles or add your own at importantjobs.com. All right, that's it for this week. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to importantnotimportant.com newsletter. Thanks, as always, for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.